Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. already called us out and named this for what it is as a learn as you lead episode. This is, I think for most people, this is an ongoing learning curve of figuring out how to handle this because the truth is saying yes is fun. Yes gets us a positive reaction. Yes. Yes gets us excitement. Yes gets us in good with people. Yes is is the pleasing mechanism. And so whether you're a people pleaser or not, yes is enjoyable. There's something that feels good about yes. But we need to talk today about what happens when you use the other word, which is, let's practice it together, Laura. No. You, you didn't say it. No. <laughs> See, I'm so terrible, I couldn't even say it in unison, given appropriate prompting. It made me uncomfortable, but I didn't want to say no to you about saying no together, and I got on a hamster wheel that was never ending. It just wasn't going to come off. No is so hard to say, Yeah, which is fascinating. And when do we lose that? Because we're two-year-olds are darn good at saying no. Right. So how do we harness yeah. our inner two-year-old? This is the first time that I may ever recommend behaving like a toddler as a grown-up. <laughs> no. But something got lost. That's true. In our lives, between two and whatever we're sitting at now where we lose this ability to use the word no to our benefit and not just to our benefit to everyone's benefit because the thing about being the yes 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 person is it will catch up with you and once it catches up with you everybody else is impacted because what too many yeses means as soon other people are picking up the slack for where you've overcommitted yeah or they're dealing with the frazzled burnt out psychopath that you have become fulfilling all the yeses hmm. so there is a disservice in the overuse of yes despite the instantaneous joy it may bring and i think that's what we need to be thinking about today as we enter this what's the long game mm-hmm. on yes versus no and how do we manage the long game we're playing as opposed to the short-term fix we get out of saying yes. 
well said. Yes is an immediate uh, immediate release, but ultimately can be a detriment. So let's name it though, Laura. I, I, this is something I feel like people talk about a lot, but let's name it. What What are some of the direct consequences of saying too many yeses or all yeses? Well, I think um, all yeses means that if everything's important, important, nothing's important, which is said often. But I do think that's one of the big things. And not just in terms of how you're choosing to spend your time, but reflecting back to last week's episode, the message you send by having yeses that are never ending. If you say yes to everything, I'm going to have a Hamilton moment, you know, from the musical, if you stand for nothing, what do you fall for, right? right? And in this case, if you say yes to everything and no to not, like, what do you stand for? What is important? And people are watching and learning from that. So if you're willing to do everything, folks don't understand what you're invested in and they believe in. And, and I know this will sound a little bit tacky, but it's, what's your brand? Mm-hmm. What are you here for? And if your brand is yes to everything, then essentially all you've done is convoluted who and what you are into a lot of nothing. Yes. And I think from a very practical standpoint, a lot of yeses generally leads to a lot of projects begun and very little finished. Absolutely. And we can say yes, but sooner than later, and you might be an all-star, you might be that Lego piece that has a hundred connectors to it, but eventually you're going to run out. And so you've said yes to things and you've left people hanging. And so recognizing that there are immediate consequences like exhaustion, but that leads to long-term consequence of burnout. And then there's immediate consequences of confusing your purpose and becoming unclear with what's important. Mm -hmm. And a long-term consequence to that of accomplishing nothing because you started a million things, but you couldn't get any of it done. And this is one where, to me, it is so very important. I think this applies particularly, frankly, in the business case business world, right? So, and whether it's profit, nonprofit, big or small, there are always things to do and always more opportunities that you can go harness Mm -hmm. um, for the cause that you are working. If you say yes to too many of them and fail to complete any, you have not served a greater purpose. And there is no value in 10 things completed 80%. So one of the things I always come back to is Pick three and finish them so you start racking up impacts and then get to the next three because a diluted effort is going to have no impact but a lot of exhaustion. Okay, we'll say more about that, Laura, because this is where I think we are. We all know that this is where it leads, but we need the filter. We need the filter for figuring out where we say no. So you just use the word impact, but break that down. So this gets into nerd realm, but I think a lot of people, Many may have heard this before. So if you can picture with me, right, a two by two grid in front of you. And there are actual books written about the fact that almost every decision you make in life, you can use a two by two to solve it. Not the actual board, but a grid. (laughs) So four Two by two is how you solve other people's problems. That's other people's problems. That's hilarious. I'm using that on a comedy sketch someday. So a two by two grid that you picture in front of you, those four boxes. What we're really thinking about when we decide where to spend our time and energy is what's happening on the impact line. So from low to high impact, what's Mm -hmm. happening? And then what's happening on the effort that I have to put out, low to high effort. So what you need to watch out for, so picture that with me, right? So then you've got a low effort, low impact quadrant, right? Mm -hmm. You have a low effort, high impact quadrant. You have a high effort, 
high impact quadrant, right? Fo you follow mm -hmm. the process. Yeah. And right there is a huge filter that's incredibly simple. And I'm sorry, you can use it both personally and professionally. It mm -hmm. might sound nerdy, but even with, or crazy or impersonal, but even with how you choose to spend your time with your family, do I want to do the low impact, high effort thing, which could be putting together a ridiculously long scat and complex scavenger hunt for your kids that they finish in three minutes, mm -hmm. right? Incredible amount of effort for low impact. Or do I want to, you know, go out for dinner where we have an hour and a half to talk together and they're going to remember that moment? Maybe not the best examples. The point is, how are you spending that time using that, that two by two yeah. is a really, really easy, simple, good filter to put in front of almost anything you do. And obviously you want to do the high impact things that are lower on the effort scale or even high impact as mm -hmm. even high effort if it's high impact. Exactly. The argument here isn't that don't do anything that costs you something, right? right? Like you want, you're going to say yeses to some things that are going to ask a lot of you, that are going to exhaust exactly. you. Exactly. But when you say yes to that, it better be for a good purpose. And so again, we don't, we're, we're not advocating the filter that shies away from high effort, but it's clarifying the filter is, is this high effort that also has high impact so that we're maximizing right. what we're trying to accomplish. And you want to be very, very cautious about saying yes to those things that are high effort and low impact mm -hmm. and being willing to call them what they are. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring up an uncomfortable one, fundraising. Uh -oh. <laughs> How many times, um, I've been this mom before where I've gone to Sam's Club and spent $100 buying candy mm -hmm. to turn around and sell to myself and other parents to raise money. Mm -hmm. I should have just given my $100 directly to the cause and moved on, right? right? Um, there, But it just maybe didn't seem as fun. Right. But all the energy and effort that was expelled over the course of whatever that fundraiser was mm -hmm. was completely pointless because we got probably the same end result. Yeah. Right. So not universally true, but I think it's a really, it's an extreme example that probably most of us have experienced and can relate to. We got to be cautious of putting up a filter that says if it's low impact and high effort, why am I saying yes mm -hmm. and allow ourselves to own that? Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. And so again, what we're gearing toward here is filters on um, effort and impact, but then also filters that deal directly with your priorities and even your gifting. Where yes. where can yes. what you offer be maximized? You know, and this does come back to the where where is your passion? Where do your unique gifts align with a need in the world? Where you put those things in in cohesion and bam, magic happens. And you see the people that have these amazing stories of impact, but it's almost always because they've they've zoned in, they've geared in on what is this thing I can have this maximum impact and that I can commit to at a higher level. And it's gonna mean saying no to all of these other things so that right. I can say a really, really strong, impactful yes here. Which is, and I think we see that with some really notable people out there. Like I'll pick on somebody like a Brene Brown and not mm -hmm. pick, but let's mm -hmm. point to it. Phenomenal woman. I assure you she or, or a staffer are saying no on her behalf 
to request to speak at events that have nothing to do with the constituency she's trying to reach, mm-hmm. right? Or to speak on topics that she is neither interested in, educated, or right, mm-hmm. or experienced in, whatever that might be, right? Because I'm sure, I mean, there are people that are probably saying, hey, will you come talk to my, you know, kennel club about dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And well, why would she want to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And she's saying those no's, and I don't know this, but I think it's a pretty easy leap to make, right? So that she can do something like give some of these TED Talks that literally reach millions and are profound and impactful at such a high level because she's getting in the channel where she can have the highest impact and filtering out, to go back to our filters, filtering out everything around her. And I think we all have opportunities to get that kind of focus um, in our lives and to make choices based on that. Mm -hmm. Where am I highly impactful? Where am I leaning into the things that I'm best at? And then when you do make the weird choices, like the, hey, this is going to be a lot of time, but it's totally worth it. Listen, there's going to be those moments. I think about Disney mm-hmm. and the concept of a Disney vacation here. I make no qualms about the <laughs> fact that I consider them one of the best investments you can make. They're expensive. I'll be the mm-hmm. first person to admit that going to Disney is a luxury and is an expensive mm-hmm. choice. However, I will also be one of the first people to advocate for the fact that it is an opportunity to make almost unparalleled memories it is high resource but also high impact and you're going to pick and choose some of those not every week not every month not even every year but there's going to be a time and a place to pick those as well so these filters are so important and frankly i don't think they're too hard in principle the question is how do we go about actually applying them and allowing ourselves the opportunity to recognize that it's okay to apply them yes exactly and that's where we're going to head in our next segment which is how do we apply these filters and how do we say no oh, i still <laughs> forgot no, no no say it together no. no okay so now we're ready join us back in our next segment right after real talk <laughs> Real Talk today is taking us to a place you never thought the sisters were going to go, and it is to the exciting world of NASCAR. Laura, you have a history and a love of NASCAR that people would not believe to know you today. If you knew me 10 years ago, you would be... You wouldn't be shocked. You had your own radio for going to races and tuning in to the various pit crews. Like, oh, yeah, not just the rental one. She had her own, folks. I had my own scanner and um, Scanner, headset. that's the word. Yes, yeah. So we're, we're turning over leaves here. So now I realize people probably think we're making a stretch too far talking about filters. We're not going to talk about the actual car mechanism. We, we don't know that much oh, about no, it. That would be embarrassing. Um, but Laura... Take us to NASCAR, take us to auto racing, and a really good illustration of what we're talking about. So we've been talking about this saying yes and saying no. And I don't know what, but I can't stop thinking about, this would have been 1999 and 2001, so I'm dating myself a little bit. But it's a historic thing that still stands. Mm -hmm. In those years, Tony Stewart, who at the time drove for... Gibbs Racing, which yep. by the way is the why Orange I'm, Home Depot car. Yes. And let's be clear, Gibbs Racing and Joe Gibbs is why I was obsessed with NASCAR. This is That's true. at the root yes. of all of it. She was a Bobby Labonte fan, Big friends. Gibbs Racing fan. So, because that man is just awesome. So, in 1999, Tony Stewart decided to say some big yeses. <laughs> and he decided that on Memorial Day weekend, on the essentially same day, he was going to drive in both the Coca-Cola 600, the NASCAR race that takes place Memorial Weekend, and the Indy 500, the IndyCar race that takes place on that particular weekend. Now, I know some people are like, well, it's just driving. 
NASCAR yeah. driving is an unbelievable physical effort that these guys put forth. He decided he was going to do both. The part I love about this story is he said the big yes. But in 1999, when Tony Stewart did it, he did it, but he did not fare well in the races. And it's a bit graphic, but he will acknowledge like he was sick the whole way home. He, you know, couldn't function, completely just destroyed him. He is, in fact, quoted as saying it was a terrible idea and a terrible experience. <laughs> now, we'll talk about his mental wear with all another time. He decided again in 2001 to do it. And at that time when he decided to say yes, he had a wise man like Joe Gibbs in his life who said, okay, you can say this yes, but I'm putting a qualifier on this for you. You will work with a trainer to properly prepare for the big yes. So that's why I love this story. Mm -hmm. It's a filter within a filter within a filter. In 2001, Tony Stewart worked with a personal trainer. So he worked on the nutrition, the physical aspects, and the mental aspects to properly prepare to take on this feat. And in both races, he finished on the lead lap. In fact, if I recall correctly, a sixth place and a third place finish, respectively. He did quite well in both races. So with proper preparation and the right supporting cast, the big yes became possible. And you better believe that he said a whole lot of no's along the way. He said yeah. no to junk food. He said no to probably some beers. He said no to some late nights with friends. He said no to some other racing things. He's also known as a guy that loves his dirt track time. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of no's so that he could say the big yes. So there you go, real talk. NASCAR style totally applies. Booyah. It's a whole new meaning to pick a lane. I love it. Thank you for that illustration, Laura. That is fabulous. And that is real talk. Okay. So as promised, we are back. And all we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is how to say no. The irony being we are both working on this skill. We are. So we did some reading, some prep. Mm -hmm to put together some really coherent thoughts. And we are creating this list, not just for our listeners, but for ourselves. Correct. How to say no. Here's where I want to start. We all know someone in our lives that actually is good at this. Yes. I mean, I can actually picture two people in my life. Yes. That are phenomenal at the art of saying no. And here's the first thing I just want to say out loud. I don't hate them or think ill of them. What? Right? So... I we respect them. We respect them. We can them. all list those people that we go, oh, man, that's amazing that they do that. And it's not just because they say no, and I'm jealous of the fact that they're able to say no and balance their, life's better, their lives better. I genuinely respect that they have determined what's best for them and their families. They understand where their strengths lie. They understand how to be high impact. And they use the word no mm -hmm. when appropriate so that they can give the big, the best yeses later. Um, yeah. So I bring that up right out of the gate because I think a lot of the times we say, we don't want to say no because we want to be liked. And mm -hmm. every one of us, if we're honest, so hit pause in the podcast right now, put your car in park for a minute and have the realization that you probably know somebody who says no and you have respect for them. So there's no reason you can't be that person. Incredibly encouraging. Good way to look at this. And I'm going to offer one more. I think as someone who leads an organization that is run primarily from volunteers, yes. I would rather ask someone a question who I feel confident will tell me no if it's not something they want to do than asking someone to do something who's going to tell me yes even when they don't want to. Because what I don't want is warm bodies. I want people in places and in positions where they want 
to be. And so I know for me, I love working with people who I know are willing to say no. I think that's very well said. In fact, I have to reference the book Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Quite a Henry Cloud. Henry, Henry Cloud, thank you. Um, Cloud specifically covers that in the book Boundaries. And I'm not big in the self-help books. I'll be the first person to admit it. Like, this is out of, that's, that is out of my lane. Um, but I did read that one with a small group. And my biggest takeaway from it was the concept that when we say yes out of obligation or for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. it is just as bad as um, having ignored the request. It's really your worst choice. Yeah. The obligatory and the I don't really want to yes is very form and he actually goes so far as to point out spiritually how that's a very bad thing because God knows your heart and your intent Mm -hmm. so even if you're doing the the Lord would want me to serve at church yes God's going yeah but you didn't really want to serve anyway so did we really get anywhere here the guilty yes is not helpful the guilty yes is not helpful and I think that applies a whole lot of places right like actually when it comes to performance coaching sometimes you have employees that come to you and they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And part of their overwhelmed, listen, the organization does it to them a lot. I'm not going to pretend that isn't the case. But sometimes it's that you start to dig into it. Well, what are you doing here, 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 here? You find that they are spending time helping past parts of the organization where they no longer work, taking on side things to help a buddy, right? Like there's a whole lot of other things that come into their yes filter and that they've taken them out of obligation or extension of themselves. And those yeses aren't good because mm-hmm. what they've done is distracted from what they're doing are supposed to be doing. So I just think there's so much applicability to the concept of understanding your boundaries and making sure that you apply the appropriate no's because an obligation yes is not good form. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Okay, so if we could jump into the practical of how to say no, one of the things I, I think about is you first have to feel confident in your no in order to say it. And so another way to say that would be sell yourself first. Understand what your priorities are. All those things we talked about in the first segment of having your priorities, knowing where your impacts are. When you feel good about the no, it's much easier saying no. Because you're not approaching it from a, oh gosh, I don't know if this is the right thing or I don't know how this is. When you feel confident that this is why I'm saying no, I have a good reason, I put this through these filters, I know that this yes allow, this no rather allows me this other yes, Mm -hmm. then it's far easier to then pass that no along to someone else. Another way to say that is um, to be honest. So many times we, we feel like we just need to say no and we go into excuse making mode. We start to go through that filter in our head of how's the best way to say this that sounds good mm-hmm. instead of what is good. People don't want your excuse, but we feel like there has to be an excuse that goes with a no. No, there just has to be an actual reason, preferably the honest one. The honest one. Because right. then it's it has integrity It has purpose. And again, we respect the people that give us those no's. And I think it's really, it's an awesome thing. If you say no, and my reason isn't, my reason could be very simply no, because that's not somewhere where I can be high impact. And I want to be available for you when you have something that you need that is high impact. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving you a no, so I'm ready to give you, same person, a yes. I mean, sometimes that's truly the case. Like, let's use me in the right place so we can get the most out of it. And then let's find the person for that lane. So let's build on this no. Mm-hmm. Practical ways to 
say no. So we're selling ourselves on it. We're understanding it. We're channeling others we respect that do it. Here's the other thing for me. When, it, when you do need to say no, you need to be frank. You need to be direct. And you need to be timely with your no. <laughs> and I, I'm being yeah. quite serious. Don't dance around it. And don't delay. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things you can do is know that you're going to say no. Know that you even have to say no. But because you don't want to say no, you let time pass. And then you put the receiver in a very awkward position where they're now backed against a wall. So mm. honestly, when you need to say no, and here I go back to Donald Miller's um, Business Made Simple that we read in mm-hmm. February. Um, one of the things he pointed out, like, don't pretend you don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, and I think that applies here. You know the answer is going to be no, so out with it. Move on. Avoid putting the receiver into an awkward position because that's going to make them much more willing to receive the no mm-hmm. in the spirit it is intended. Yeah, I know. I think that's great. And I would just add to that, you said that really well, but frank, direct, and timely. And also, at all, don't be that person who doesn't RSVP. Don't be the person who ghosts. Oh, see, now I just feel like you're making this personal. And now it's Did personal. Do you wrong? <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, names later. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm, I'm kidding about that, but I'm serious. And I'm also guilty of this. I've had times where I've forgotten to RSVP and I knew, I knew the minute I got it, if it was a yes or a no, but I didn't want to say no right away. And so then I forgot about it. And maybe that's genuine, but it's also, we all know that's not cool. We all know that's not cool when someone invites you to be part of something and they never heard back from you and they're guessing where you are. What you want to do. And so, again, as someone who asks a lot of people to do a lot of things as volunteers beyond their day jobs all the time, I would so much rather hear your no than your silence. And so when it comes to saying no, frank, direct, timely, do it. I'd rather hear your no than your silence. I think mm-hmm. I love that. Again, embroidery of the pillow. Yes, put it it's on a, a pillow. Really one. Put it on a pillow. That is a really, really good one. It And it takes me to something, the CEO of my corporation, one time, this goes back years, we were at a group dinner and he was doing, he likes to do these, you know, ask the CEO things in some small groups. And I remember somebody asked him a question that was essentially, how do you keep up with everything, right? You get hundreds of emails a day. That kind of, you know, how do you keep up? And he gave a very cogent piece of advice, which was don't double touch things. Mm. You open an email, deal with it. And maybe dealing with it is putting in the for Tuesday file because you're going to have to create an hour to go work on what was in that email. But let your no be no and your yes be yes. If it has yeah. a direct answer that you are in a position to answer it and be done because half the time silence is the I opened it instead of dealing with it in the moment even though I knew the answer I closed it again and then I forgot to go back Mm -hmm. don't double touch things the same applies to your mail when you get the physical card and a bill right don't double touch it is so practical and I think it applies here right let your no be no own it and deliver it in a timely manner and it's going to be just fine and a lot of times that leads to great things right now it's college It's college acceptance and admission season, right? Mm -hmm. For every kid that says no to somewhere, there's a kid that's on a waiting list that's going to get their best yes. Yeah. And and that's okay. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and go with it. And I think that's true in a lot of cases. I always think about you when you made the decision not to go to the Naval Academy, right? Yeah. You literally released a congressional nomination that some kid got the big phone call for. Yeah. So I think that's my last practical piece of advice here on saying no is remembering that a lot of times your willingness to say no opens 
up an opportunity for someone else. It doesn't close down what's trying to be done. Exactly. I really like thinking about it that way. And the last one I'll offer that I actually learned from you is the write it down. And this goes back to something you said earlier, or maybe even last week as we talked about filters, that there's power in writing and articulating something. And especially with these things that we know are harder, that we know we have to put through our filters of why is this? What are my priorities? Even the fact that a two by two grid exists, when you write that down, when you can see it, there's so much clarity that then makes it easier to actually say it because you've just gotten it out. You've been concrete with it. And that's something, quite frankly, I'll share with our listeners on a personal level. I told everyone going into this new year that I was going to do some counseling. And right now, honestly, the biggest thing I've gotten from the couple counseling sessions I've done is that writing stuff down and getting it out of your head is one of the very best things we can do for ourselves. And I think I think that absolutely applies here. So let's start doing the, we love our lists of three. Just always assume, write it down as number four and it's implied. If you could, let's all do some sisters of industry shorthand. Write it down. Write it down. Probably involved. W-I-D. I don't know if that's an acronym. That I, I, Can we make it? No. I'm going to say no, Jen. I am going to say no. Listeners applaud. There, there it is. So listen, folks, say no. It is scary. And it can even seem difficult. We are here to encourage you that saying no is a powerful, effective tool. Mm -hmm. And you can do it and be respected for it. So we would encourage you, figure out what your filters are and start using the word no so that you're prepared for the yes. Laura, today on Memory Lane, we talked a really great game about how to say no and getting better at it. And I think there's nothing better than to just be brutally honest here about the places where we didn't say no and we should have. So today on Memory Lane, I want to talk about the races we were never meant to run. Oh, this one's so true. Probably more so for me than you because you're a better runner than I am, but there are so many times, and even medals on the wall, where I had no business running those races. And really, running is not the right word. Attending those events as a participant uh, would be the better way said. So the first one that occurs to me was actually, for at the time, coincidentally, my birthday in Nashville. You and Mom and I decided to run a half marathon together that September in Nashville. It was the first time I ended up running again a few years later where we decided to do that run I was ill prepared shocker to do this particular run both in physical and mental um, stamina I was really just there to be in Nashville for the weekend but I had to do the run to justify the trip I was in big trouble because we started right there in front of um, the Country Music Hall of Fame for anybody that knows Nashville and we ran down and came around the corner and we're looking uphill so ever walked the drag in Nashville, you know that it is in fact on a hill, even yeah. though you don't necessarily automatically, we turned the corner, I mean we literally hadn't even hit the quarter mile mark in this run yet, and I remember looking at mom and Jen and saying, see you later, as I slowed to a jog slash really kind of walking, and mom and Jen proceeded up the hill, I had no business being there, I did finish time that I would ever want published even in a book that no one read but me, but I didn't finish the run, but I had no business doing it, I should have admitted I was there to go to the honky-tonks and the museum later in the day and just cheered you guys.
How about you? There has to be a race you said yes to. Yes. No, there were definitely one. I can think of two in particular that were races that somebody needed to um, step out and they were looking for someone to jump in. And so I jumped in as a last minute replacement. You know something about this, Laura. But jumped in as the last minute replacement. So of course, had not been training for said event. And in both cases, I had been running. I had even been training for different kinds of events. But the first one was the first Ragnar that I've ever done. And I, I don't know if we've talked about Ragnars on this podcast before, but you and I have both done them. They're amazing, super fun trail races that are team races, overnight, 24-hour kind of events. And I had no idea what they were. I had never done a trail race at all, let alone an overnight. And yes, and so I had a team and some friends that needed somebody else to fill out their team. They asked me to do it. I thought, what, why not? This will be great. And I remember texting you and mom and dad and my husband right before my second leg of the event because I was taking off at around 9.30 at night. And so it was dark and I was about to head into the woods <laughs> um, on my own with my headlamp and my flashlight having never run at night before, let alone in a place I didn't know as part of this event. And I remember texting y'all and just telling you to pray. <laughs> so I will tell you the good news of that one is that that particular run ended up being one of just the most magical runs of my life, propelled me into a lot more events like that because I found a, I found a piece on that mountain in the middle of the night that I didn't know I was chasing, So, which is beautiful. But the next day, I was definitely hurting, having done all these crazy things that would have been far better prepared for and done in a different timing. So the filter of sometimes it's no for now. Um, or let's go back to our American Idol days, you know, it's a no today, dog. Um, you know, like there's one that should have been a no today and a yes later. There was another one I jumped into that was also a team. Um, this was a two-day run-through event, and I did like 23 miles that I was no way prepared for and was in a lot of pain. I remember when you did that, and we'll move from memory lane to um, a premonition pathway. <laughs> I um, have made the mistake of saying yes to a team run as a last-minute substitute, um, and I'll be running that between the recording of this episode and the airing of this episode, so this could be the last episode of the Sisters of Ministry that ever been recorded. <laughs> Depending on how that particular race goes in the next week. But I think a little bit of fun laughing at some fantastic memories where we ran down the lane that was hopefully not up the hill. Otherwise, I would have been walking. That's how memory green works. Have a great one, everyone. This episode of the Sisters of Industry. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and ask that you share our podcast via social media or other means to your friends and family. We look forward to hearing from you and hope that we've made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life.